Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Anybody got any cowboy boots on in the house today? All right, I let you off the hook. We didn't do a Western day. I've mentioned that I love, uh, now this shows my age a little bit, but I love uh, a couple of horses that were on TV. Like number one was Silver with the Lone Ranger. And I loved, this is my all-time favorite, Trigger. Yes, Roy Rogers uh, horse, and, and, and I love them. And so I, I just love horses in general, and I think it may have started pretty early. This is me. They're going to put a, a picture on the screen. Can you put that picture on the screen? Uh, this is me in 1971. I'm three years old. I think this may be where it started. My grandmother, Granny Ely, bought me this rocking horse, I guess, um, and, and I guess my love affair with horses started now. This would never fly today. This would not work today because there would be multiple lawsuits because kids would catch their fingers in the springs of death, all right? And so this would never fly today or they would fall off and hit the metal poles at the bottom so they would get sued like crazy. But but I think um, that may be where my love affair with horses must have started. It's my earliest memory. Um, I also mentioned that later in high school that I fell in love and still in, in love with the writings of Louis L'Amour. Um, there, there was this common trait, though, between uh, Silver and Trigger and many of the horses that Louis L'Amour writes about that his uh, main characters rode, and that is this fact. They, they were trustworthy. In fact, um, uh, some of the, the traits I remember growing up watching and reading about is this. Horses, these horses, uh, when, when the hero, the main character would get in trouble, he would just whistle and almost like a dog, the horse would come flying around the corner and they'd mount up and escape the trouble. Y'all remember? Okay, some of y'all are old enough to remember. So they were trustworthy. I remember uh, that they, many of these horses, they were trained so well and they were so trustworthy that they would let nobody ride them except their main owner. Right, And anybody else would get bucked off because they were so loyal and trustworthy to this one owner. And then they, they, they would be trusted to warn the, the main owner, uh, the, the owner would trust their horse to um, warn them of impending da- danger. Like uh, they're coming up on a snake and, and the horse would warn the rider or uh, a cougar was around the bend and they would warn the rider. Or at night the, the rider would be asleep on his, you know, with his saddle as his pillow and, and, and enemies would be crawling up on him in the night and the horse would warn him and wake him up. Anybody? Oh, some of y'all need to watch some Westerns. It would, it would do you good. Okay. I got a few Western lovers on the back row. So, so they were trustworthy. I, I, I've read several accounts where 
the, the rider would be going through a desert and it'd be day after day of dryness and they're about to die of thirst. Somebody shot their canteen out. I don't know. They didn't have any water and, and, and they would do this. They would give their ho- the horse its head. Y'all remember that phrase? They would, and they would drop the reins and out of nowhere, the horse would save the day because it would, it would find some unknown pocket of water. See, y'all, man, some of y'all got it. So uh, there were occasions where the the rider would get injured and with no direction, he'd be slumped over in his saddle and he couldn't give direction. The horse would make its way back to the ranch where there was help to be found. These horses were trustworthy. They could be trusted. And isn't that really, when you start talking about it, isn't that... The goal for us when we start talking about our finances, we, we want to trust money. I want to trust it. I want to put my trust in it. I want to, I want to feel some security because of it. I want to put my trust in my finances, but I've discovered this truth and you need to know this truth. And that is that uh, money is not very trustworthy. In fact, what I've, what I've discovered is, is that its value shifts, its buying power changes, its availability fluctuates. And so that's why even though we tame and train our money, we must make sure that we put and cement our trust in the right place. And so what we've been talking about is this. We've, we've said that we need to do what we can do. And what we need to do first, we said first week is this. We're trying to tame our money. So we must make our money mind, right? We, we must make it come into submission. We must make it mind. We tell it where to go. It doesn't tell us where to go, right? So we make it mind. And then we said, uh, last week uh, online, we said that we've got to learn how to make our money matter. That's about training. We, we train our money to, to, pay off for us. Instead of us working our life away for nothing, we train our money so that in the end we have something to show for that. So we train our money. But this morning, what I want to say to you, the third step is this. It's not just enough to tame and it's not enough, just enough to train. We must also make our money marginal, marginal. The good preacher in me had to come up with an M word that, that, okay, you knew it was coming. So what does, what am I even trying to say? I, I looked it up. Marginal means this. It means situated at the edge or almost insufficient. Think about that statement when you're relating that to money. Uh, situated at the edge, almost insufficient. It's marginal. In other words, we've got to make sure that we recognize and keep our trust situated in the right thing or person. And that person is the master. The reason that what God says about our finances and treasure works is not all about the money. Listen to me this morning. I recognize that God commands a certain amount to be given. I get that part, but that's not what makes God's commands work. What makes God's command work in relationship to our finances is not any power related in the money. It is the fact that This is why it works. The reason what God says about our finances works is because God said it. Boy, y'all are quiet on a Sunday morning. Y'all beat to death. This has been a crazy week. Y'all, y'all frustrated to the point that y'all can't even talk back. Come on, talk to me now. We can trust what God says because God said it. That's why what he says about our money works. It's not any magic formula. The reason it works is because God's word can be trusted. He is worthy of trust. And so this morning, I just want to remind you that to, we, to make our, our, our to, to get a handle on our money, we've got to trust God. 
We have to trust God. So to keep our finances from being buck wild, we must put and keep our trust in God. So I just want to challenge you this morning. Trust what's been tested. See, um, I, I, I think there are a lot of uh, occasions and instances in Scripture where God has been proven to be trustworthy, but perhaps none greater than the account uh, that is fa- found in uh, Genesis chapter 22 when you begin to talk about Abraham. Because when you talk about Abraham, what you discover is that you also can trust what's been tested because Abraham tested God. In this account, what you discover is, is that here is a man that is on this journey up a mountain to sacrifice not only his only son, he's also, it's more involved in that, he's about to sacrifice his promised son. You un- so we don't even understand the, the implications of this. This was a loss of a miracle son that was born to him in his old age. Chances are, Abraham recognizes there's not going to be another chance at this. This was the promised son. This is the one that had been promised. Now I'm old. He's a miracle baby. And I'm not really expecting another miracle to come along anytime soon because I'm like old. Right? And he marches him up the mountain. It's his long-awaited son. It's his destiny. It's his legacy. It's all wrapped up in this one little boy. And you can hear the trust. It's not like that. It's not like when Abraham got up on top of the mountain, he suddenly started trusting God. What you see on top of the mountain in Genesis chapter 22 is a revelation of the trust that's already been established. In fact, here's the truth. You don't go up the mountain unless you've already learned to trust God. If we're going to traverse the mountain of finances in our life, then we have got to develop and rest upon and lean on a long track record of trustworthiness that we've established in God. And so Abraham makes his way up this mountain, and then all of a sudden Isaac asks the question. It's the question. Hey, Dad, we're missing something. Where, where is this uh, ram that we're going to sacrifice? I know, I know you've got the wood, you've got the knife, you've got the fire. How in the world we're missing a key component? And in, in Abraham's response, I want you to notice, I, I want you to notice the trust that has already been established in Abraham's life when it comes to God and what is precious to him. He, he responds with a trust-filled answer. He says, son... God will provide. Doesn't say, he doesn't say, uh, son, I, I'm hoping it's going to be a bad day for you if he doesn't come through. Uh, I, I'm, I'm praying, believing, but man, I'm just not sure. Maybe, I, could be, not really sure, but hoping so. Without any proof yet, he speaks forth in trust and says, God will provide. That leads Paul to say in Romans chapter four and verse three, he says this, what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. But there's another version that maybe captures it a little better. It says it like this. He said, it says what we read in scripture is Abraham entered into what God was doing for him. And that was the turning point. Listen, he trusted God. He trusted God. 
To set him right instead of trying to be right on his own. So there was this trust exchange. So Abraham, you got to understand this about Abraham. Abraham was wildly wealthy. He would have been on the Forbes top 500 list. He, he had more money than he knew what to do with. Now it had fur on it. Because it was about animals and stuff like that back then. But he was wealthy. And what Abraham discovered was that how much he owned... Did, didn't really matter, but trusting God did. In fact, he trusted God with his most prized possession. And then you know the rest of the story. This trust led God to providing a ram for sacrifice so that we too now can stand here today and declare that God is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. It's not a hope. It's not, I, I, I wish it would happen. We can stand assured and trust the fact that God is our supplier. Abraham would testify that you can trust God with your son. But that's not the only place in Scripture. There are many others. Uh, uh, Moses would testify that you can trust God for a way of escape. Job would testify that you could trust God with your family. Um, uh, The woman with the issue of blood would testify that you you can trust the great physician with your health. Disciples would testify that you can trust God with your taxes. Ooh, that's a big leap of faith, isn't it? I'm telling you right now, that's a, but, but they did because they needed their temple tax paid. And Jesus says, go to the, 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 the sea and, and take a fish and open his mouth. And what do you find? Your taxes. You can trust God with that. Crowds discovered that you could trust God with your hunger. So all of a sudden, what we know is that Scripture is chock full of tested and a proven God that we can rest assured will come through for us. And it's because of these examples that many of us still gather in settings like this today where we come to be, we come to this conclusion that God can be trusted with our spiritual life, right? Don't we trust that God can handle our stuff? Don't we trust that God can handle our salvation? If we don't trust that God can handle our salvation, then why do we stop every week and give people an opportunity to be saved if we don't trust that they can be saved. We, we trust that God can handle our, desti- our eternal destination. If I didn't believe that God can handle my eternal destination, then what am I doing here? Why am I wasting an hour on a Sunday morning trying to make sure that I'm on the right path, headed for heaven instead of hell? We trust God for that. I trust God with my health. I believe that God can heal me regardless of what any doctor, or natural doctor may say. I recognize and trust the fact that God can override that with one word and that he can heal me and he can deal with all my diseases. He can send one word and heal all my diseases. He can send one word and crush cancer. He can send one word and crush Corona. He can send one word and heal any disease I have. I trust him. I trust him. I trust him. I trust him. I trust trust that I can, uh, with my family, I've, I've tested him. I've proven that he's trustworthy when it comes to my family. And so I have a question this morning. How many of us trust God more with our soul than we do with our savings? Why is it that we believe that God can take care of our sons, our daughters, our safety, our family, our health, but we fail to realize that he's also trustworthy and tested when it comes to what we call wealth? Could it be that we've slipped over into this idea that we're the owner rather than the steward? We think we own it. When it's just been loaned to us. 
If he can handle my body, then surely he can handle my bucks. If he can handle my relationships, then surely he can handle my real estate. If, if, if he can handle my kids, then surely he can handle my K's. Some of y'all ain't had a K's lately, but some of you know what K's are. and you, you're, you're, Okay, he can handle all that. We must come to this place where his proven trustworthiness encompasses our financial life so that we trust him with everything we have. And maybe you're here today and you say, well, that's, that's scripture. I, uh, I'm glad you got all that scripture to talk about, but, but you know, that's like, that was written a long time. That was written way before silver and trigger and all that. That was like a long time ago. And I'm glad you can trust him out of scripture, but, but, but I'm here today and I, I'm not sure I, I you know, I, I like scripture and I, I, and all that, but I'm not sure that's like, I need some like, like, Come on, man, give me some current illustrations. Help me out. There's got to be. I'm glad you asked. Y'all do know that every year for the last couple of years, we've done this thing called God's Guarantee. So um, I've tried to share some of this, but then I realized that most likely for most of you that maybe you didn't sign up for God's Guarantee last year. And so you didn't hear the praise report. So let me just tell you the ones I know about. Just real quick. I'm just going to I'm not going to even tell you who they are. I'm just going to read down what they sent me. These are the ones I know about just last year and the first part of this year. Just because you say, well, I, I like the scriptures and all, and I, and I believe they're good for my salvation. I just don't know if they're good for my savings account. Would you just listen just a minute and, and see that God is still who he said he was in scripture? He's still operating today. He's still trustworthy today. You can still put your trust in him right now if you would. So let me give you some examples. Uh, here's some, one, one person sent this to me. I mean, it started when we did God's guarantee the very next day. I got this in my email. Today, the first day, I found $40 laying on the floor in the grocery store. I looked around to see if anybody was around and looking for it. And I looked around and looked about and nobody seemed to be looking for it. So thank you, Jesus. Here's another one. Over the last two months, I've sent multiple emails to a client regarding outstanding invoices that haven't been paid. Some from 2018, most of them from 2019. All of la- my all of last year, my invoices with this client went unpaid. It was not brought to my attention until after the first of the year. Multiple invoices and jobs that equals around nine thousand dollars. My client's paralegal is supposed to send the invoices to the insurance adjuster for them to issue the checks. And at any rate, just a few weeks after they signed God guarantee. At any rate, they didn't get sent, therefore no checks. I just found out that I'm getting a check this week where approximately one-third of those invoices will be paid in one lump sum. And then they got the rest of it later. Here's another one. Two families have received unexpected large financial gifts. Here's another one. Two families have seen significant healings or God's hand work during a medical crisis. Because this isn't just about money. This is about wealth. And if you think that money is more important than your body's healing, then you've never been sick. Right? All right. Uh, Here's another one. Um, Two individuals received raises at work. Here's another one. One individual was given a brand new car. Here's another one. Two of our college students who are participating have received major scholarships. Here's another one. One individual got a new job. Here's another one. One family was facing major plumbing issues and upon further review was informed that it was the city's issue instead of their issue. Come on. 
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And then this one, I, this one just happened recently. I've been working or I've been wondering what we were going to do financially until my wife starts her job. We've been tithing and trusting God to get us through this rough season. Little did we know that he was working behind the scenes. He provided an instant substantial raise from my place of employment that took place the next pay period. So if you're wondering what you're going to do or wondering if he's still faithful to his word, just trust me. He's still faithful. Tithe, pray, and believe, and he can turn things around. And again, these are just the ones I know about. These are just the ones that somebody took the time to sit down at a computer and send me an email and say, Hey, this happened in my life. All I want to do is remind you that God is trustworthy. He is faithful. Uh, So... I I just want you to understand that you can tame your money and you can train your money. But the key to financial peace in your life boils down to this. Placing your trust in God. In fact, God is so comfortable with his own track record of trustworthiness that he challenges us to trust him. Did you know that the only place in scripture that God says to trust, Test him in is when it's in regards to your finances. Think about that now. The only place where God says, come on, buddy. Come on, girl. Test me. Try me and see. Just just see if this really actually works like I say it works. It's the only place. Okay, I'll read it to you. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. He says this. He says, should a person deceive God? Yet you deceive me, but you say, how have we deceived you with your 10th part gifts and offerings? 10th part is where we get the idea of tithe, 10% and offerings. You have been cursed with a curse and you, the entire nation are robbing me. Bring the whole 10th part to the storage house so there might be food in my house. Here it is. Please test me. Can you hear God begging you this morning? Test me. Come on, please. I'm just waiting on somebody. Please test me. Try me. Step up to the plate and try me in this. Test me. That's not me saying that. That's God saying that. He says, please test me in this, says the Lord of heavenly forces. See whether I do not open all the windows of heaven for you and empty out a blessing until there is enough. Again, I ask you, how much is enough? Paul answers it later. I've already shared this with you. He says, enough so that you can be generous in every situation. God is literally saying, if you've tried everything else, I dare you to try it. I double dog dare you to test me. I, 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 I just, I, here's the line in the sand. This is literally God, what he's doing. He's drawing a line in the sand and saying, I dare you to cross the line. I dare you to step over and test me. If you would just try me and, tr- and trust me, I've proven myself that I'm trustworthy when it comes to your soul. I've tr- proven myself that I'm trustworthy when it comes to your family. I'm, I've proven myself that you're tr- I'm trustworthy when it comes to your healing. Then why don't you test me in this? Try me in this. Trust me in this. And what we've discovered, and many of you know this in our body, and we want all of you to know this, is that God always comes through. He's faithful to his word. So God recognizes this, that his own reputation is at stake. I hope you value your reputation. There's some of you in here that would probably fight If somebody 
got a messed up perception about you. It's your reputation is at stake. It would anger you. It would make you mad. You would be willing to go fight them. I think that's literally where God is at this point. His reputation is at stake here. He recognizes this. His word is at stake. If God doesn't honor his word when it comes to our finances after he's already said, you can, t- you can trust me in this, then all of his word is at stake. And he's saying, test me. The reason that God says to test him in this area is this. God is trying to get our eyes off of our stuff and get it back on our source. It's literally what he's trying to do. He can be trusted. So this is the conclusion that we must come to. My money can come and go. Uh, uh, my, my retirement account, I don't know if yours has done this over the last two years, but your, retire, your retirement account can go like this. It can look like a roller coaster, up and down, up and down. And you're saying, what's a retirement account? I get it. I understand. My investments can crash. But this is what I've learned. If I've established the fact that God is my source then my level of trust never has to waver. Because my retirement, my savings, my checking account, my real estate, my 401k, my bitcoins, whatever that is, none of that stuff is my source. My source is God. And in the middle of abundance or in the middle of famine, The source is secure. I can trust him in every season of my life. This is why my bucks aren't wild. They aren't my source. That's why in the New Testament, we're taught to to, to get here where we can be content in any situation. How do you become content in any situation? You can't if your contentment is based upon, am I wealthy or am I not wealthy? Do I have the right clothes or the wrong clothes? Do I have a new car or an old car? Do I have a new house or an old house? Do I have all the all the stuff that Hollywood tells me that I need to have? Can I keep up with the Joneses even though I don't like the Joneses? If, if, my, if my security is based upon that, then, then your bucks will be wild but, and you'll never learn to be content. But when my contentment is based upon this, God is faithful. Faithful, and he's trustworthy then I can be content in every situation knowing that God is watching over me and that if his eye is on the sparrow then why am I worried because he's watching me that's why one of, another one of the reasons that we do God's guarantee every year there's a card in your seat that looks like this it's God's guarantee we do this every year. We do it for a couple of reasons. One, so that you can tame your money. And two, so that you can train your money. But we also do this as a statement of trust. We also say, you know what? I, I recognize that it's just a piece of paper, but what I'm literally saying is that I'm putting my trust, my source is not my money, it's my God. So we do this every year because it reminds us that God's word is on on the line and that as we give, some of us as faithfully as we've always given, some of you give faithfully every month, way before we ever started God's guarantee. But for some of you, you haven't started yet. 
And so we bring it down to like this, 90 days, 90 days, 90 days. That if you would trust God for 90 days, he'll come through. You say, well, that's a, that's a big claim, Steve. Are you sure you want to do this? Because you, if you'll read, if you turn it in, put your name on it, and God doesn't come through, we'll give it back to you. That's a, come on now. When's the last church you've been in that did that? If God doesn't come, you say, what, are you saying that within 90 days, like, I'm going to get a new car? I didn't say that. My house is going to quadruple in size? I didn't say that. Because not everything that God does is, is about money. Some of it's about peace. And some of it's about joy. And some of it's about healing. But I know this. I trust God enough that we can give you this guarantee. You know what? I get, how many years have we done this now, Drew? Three? Is it three or four years? Did you know we've never had anybody ask for their money back? So that's just because they were embarrassed. No, I don't believe that. I believe the reason they haven't ever asked for their money back is because God's come through every time. I just read you a list of one year of what we've seen happen. And that's just a, a little bit of it. So I want to challenge you. You say, well, Steve, I'm a faithful tither. Good, fill the car out. What you, what, what you got to risk? You, know, you already know the benefits of what God can do. It's just simply a reminder that we're trusting God. But maybe you're here and you've never done this. I'm asking you for the next 90 days to be faithful in your giving. How much? I got some pastor friends that are doing some of this and they're just saying, start where you can start. Okay, that's great. Only issue there that I have is this. God said that he would bless the 10%. I want to challenge you this morning. If you want to get all of God, what he's got for you, you got you to do what he says to do. It's part of the taming and training and trusting. I just want to challenge you over the next 90 days to tithe. You say, well, Steve, I don't know if I can live on, on 10% less than what I'm living on now. Yes, you can. I promise you, you can. Your 90% will go further than that. Your 100% ever goes. Because you get God in the mix. And he honors his word. So would you take your card? And would those of you that are faithful in your tithe and offering, would you just fill it out real quick? Uh, and those of you that are thinking about it, would you just take a moment and really talk to God about this as I pray and accept this challenge? And then what we're going to do is Pastor Drew's going to come and close us out of here. But as we release you, the offering buckets are going to be at the back like we've been doing. And as you give your morning tithes and offerings, because some of you have been tithing faithfully, it's time to graduate into generous and begin to give offerings. And as you drop those in the bucket, I want you to take this, this card as a commitment. You say, well, what are you going to do with it? I'm going I'm to put, put them right up on the wall. So everyone or not, I'm, we're going to get our staff. Our pastoral staff is simply going to pray and believe with you that God is going to come through. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to accept this challenge this morning. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. First of all, I want to I thank you for what you've already done in our lives. I thank you that we can trust you with our salvation. I'm thankful this morning that we can trust you with our healing. I'm thankful this morning we can trust you with our family. I'm thankful this morning that we can put all that stuff in your hands. But Father, this morning, I pray that you'd help us to go one step further. I pray that we would remember that you're our source. And we would come to this place where everything we have belongs to you. 
God, there are folks in this room that have been faithfully giving year after year after year after year. And I just pray that as a reminder this morning, as they fill out this card, you would remind them once again that you are our source. We don't own anything. Everything we have has been given to us on loan. You, it's, we seek your kingdom first. And so we submit our financial lives to you. And Father, for those that are here that have never participated faithfully in tithing, my prayer is this morning that you would challenge them. And I pray that you would assure them in their spirit right now, just as much as you assured them about their soul, I pray that you would also assure them this morning that you can handle all their money, you can handle all their fears, you can handle all their anxiety about this area of our lives. God, I pray that this morning we would beat our money up by taming it and training it because we trust you. So Father, for each person here that maybe they've been tipping or maybe they've not been giving at all, I pray that they would accept this challenge and they would recognize this morning that God, you're trustworthy. You're trustworthy. And we involve you in our money today because we know you'll come through. And it may be tight for somebody right now. And I just pray that in a miraculous way that as they submit in this area of their life that you would show up and show off for them today I pray in Jesus name Amen would you get your card would you fill it out as Pastor Drew comes to close us this morning would you get it ready to drop in the offering bucket as an It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.